The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today the readings kind of point us to the ways in which the Lord calls. And to the beginning of a relationship that was established between the Lord and Samuel in the first reading and between the Lord and Andrew and the other disciples in the Gospels. And I think in particular, it's a good thing for us as we begin with this second Sunday in Ordinary Time to go back to the beginning and to reflect on how our Lord calls us, right? How our Lord calls us. Because as we look at our world, like our world is crazy. There's more division, fear, and confusion now than I've ever remembered in my lifetime. And in the midst of that fear and division and confusion, the question that we have to ask ourselves as Catholic Christians is, what is our Lord doing right now? And what's our Lord doing right now? And when we look at the world around us, where are we led to reflect in our hearts? Are we, are we sort of pulled into that fear and division and confusion? Or do we recognize that our Lord is calling us to himself right now? You know, for me, it's... I try to maintain this practice of doing a kind of Lexio Divina on the world and, and on my own life. And, and the division that we see in the world around us, it, 
provokes me to ask about the division that might exist still in my own heart. Or the division that exists in the church, it exists because there's division in our own heart. It exists because our own hearts aren't converted. In the office of readings today, St. Paul, when he's writing, I think it's to the Ephesians, he talks about, he's warning them against being divided amongst themselves. And how they're all called to be united with their bishop, the way that Christ is united to the Father, to be united with one another, the way that Christ is united to the Father. And he's exhorting them to that, because even in the early church, in the very, very, very early church, it was easy for communities to become divided and to live in a world of fear and confusion and division. In today's second reading, he talks about how the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, that 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 division, it starts in our own hearts. And, and a lot of times the sins we commit are sins against our own body. And the way out of those is to be united with the Lord. And so the question is, how is our Lord inviting us right now? Or how is our Lord calling us right now to be united with him? And if we're going to answer that question, we can go back to how our Lord first called us. And so in the first reading, we have the call of Samuel, and, and Samuel's call is, is pretty interesting. Our Lord is calling him, but he, and he hears the Lord, but he doesn't recognize that that's the Lord. You know, he attributes it to something else. He attributes it to Levi calling, or Eli calling, and so he keeps going to Eli and saying, I'm here, you called me. And then eventually that other person, Eli, is able to discern, it's not me, but it's the Lord. Like, so when, when you hear that, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And there are many times in, in our own lives when the Lord is calling or the Lord is noticing or the Lord is doing something and we don't see it because we get caught up in everything else that goes on. And sometimes those are the movements in our hearts when our Lord moves our heart to make a phone call to an estranged family member. Or our Lord moves our heart to, to, to talk to that person after Mass that just looks like they're a little bit off today. Or, or the Lord moves in our heart to, to get more involved in the parish, to be of a greater service. Or the Lord moves in our heart to just tell us he wants to spend time with us. When we're driving down Linden Street and we think, oh, I could stop in for like five minutes and visit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. It's an invitation. The call of Andrew, I think, is, is really interesting. It was part of my prayer when I was on retreat last summer. And um, because in the Gospels, it seems like everybody follows Jesus right away, and I never follow our Lord right away. It takes, like, a long time. So it says, like, Andrew's there with another disciple, and John the Baptist, Jesus walks by, John says, behold, the Lamb of God, and they're like, okay, and they go follow him. And it just seems so easy 
And, and so on retreat, I was asking myself this question, like what else was going on there or what happened first? And, uh, and there's something that takes place in every relationship. It's the first thing that happens in every relationship. So those of you who are married, this is the first thing. Like if I ask you, like, how did you guys get together? This is the first thing, but we oftentimes forget about it. So like I asked the couple, like, how did you guys meet? Oh, we, we met at a wedding and, and we were just like hanging out with some friends and, and then we started talking. Okay. But there's something that happened before that. And, and this first thing that happens is noticing. It's noticing. Like if you think about how you met your spouse, like at one point you notice them, like you notice them across a room or you notice them, uh, you know, at a gathering. Or maybe you notice that they were looking at you. You notice that you were being noticed. And that leads to intrigue and attraction and then talking and flirtation, etc. And so in my prayer, I was, I was focusing on Andrew and this other disciple talking to John the Baptist. And Andrew sort of notices out of the corner of his eye that there's this guy standing about 40 yards away and he's staring at him. And it makes him feel kind of unsettled and he, and he goes back to talk to John and then he kind of looks up. He's still looking at me. Maybe a third time he's still looking at me. And then he says to John the Baptist, who is that person over there? And John says, behold, the Lamb of God. And then Andrew realizes who it is that's noticing him. And he's moved. And he starts to go after our Lord. And our Lord turns around and he says to him, what are you looking for? Rabbi, where do you stay? I don't know what I'm looking for. I just want to stay with you. I just want to remain in your gaze. I just want to continue to be noticed by you. And he stays with him all that day. And then that experience of realizing who it is that notices his life, that sees him. He goes and finds his brother and others and wants to introduce them to Jesus. And in our own life, too, we can reflect on, like, how has our Lord noticed us? Because in the midst of the craziness that we live in, we can forget that our Lord notices us, that our Lord sees everything, that we're never outside of his gaze, that he desires you. And he's always taking the initiative in that. It's how he calls Because he wants to fulfill the desire of our heart, which is a desire to be safe, to be secure, to be loved, to be affirmed, to be seen, and to be seen. And we certainly live in a world that needs to be seen by our Lord. 
And there's always an opportunity for us to begin again with him when we find ourselves a little bit lost or feeling off. We can always just go back to that beginning and notice how our Lord is noticing us and how he's reaching out to us. And in this last week, I received an, an immense gift from our Lord. And, uh, and I, went on, I went on this retreat and, uh, and the retreat was an inner healing retreat. And it was put on by some people that I know really well because we, we oftentimes travel in the same circles and, and we are friends. But I'd never been on one of these retreats before. And the reason I went on it was really because our Engaged Encounter community here in the diocese is going to put on a marriage retreat or marriage conference in the summer. And I had to go on this retreat in preparation for that conference. And... Um, but almost immediately, our Lord started like, pointing out to me that like, there was something for me there. And, uh, and sometimes I have a hard time noticing him, and so he makes things very obvious. And I just want to share that because I'm kind of filled with a lot of joy about it right now. And, and so like on the Monday that we were starting this retreat, I have another friend who's kind of part of a charismatic prayer ministry, and I don't talk to this person hardly ever. But this friend sent me a message Monday morning as the retreat was starting saying, Father, just want you to know I was praying for you this morning. Huh, that's interesting. Then I kind of went through the first couple of days of the retreat and I was praying through some old like wounds and ways I was wounded within my family or whatever. And, uh, and really felt our Lord's presence in that. And then our Lord started pointing me to another place. And, and it was a place that I've never really gone with him before. It was a place I don't want to go with him. You know, because sometimes it's, you know, it's easier to focus on like the ways people have hurt me and let Jesus have mercy on that than like the ways I've hurt others and let Jesus have mercy on that. And he was kind of pointing me towards like the sinfulness of my life in my youth. In my early youth, like between, I don't know, from 16 to 22 or something. And I'd never really gone there in prayer before. Gone to confession, but I've never really sat in prayer and like brought that to our Lord. And he was just really calling me to do that. And so I'm sitting there with him and I'm feeling like overwhelmed with guilt and shame and, and, uh, and then our Lord like, gave me this image in prayer. And I started thinking about the musical Les Miserables, which I really enjoy, but I haven't seen in a long time. And I just started thinking about that and how there's this character, Jean Valjean, who was in prison and he gets out of prison. And then he goes and stays at this church and then he steals all the silverware from the church. And he's trying to like, get away with something. And then he gets caught. And they bring him back to the bishop, and the bishop says, oh, he didn't steal that, I gave it to him. And I also gave him these candlesticks as well, but you forgot these. And he keeps saying to him over and over again, I know who you are, and I purchased you for Christ with this like super abundant mercy. And, and so our Lord started putting on my heart that, that I never got away with anything in my life, but he's given me a superabundant mercy. And I don't really like that very much because like, I feel like, oh, like I have to, like, 
it's hard for me to receive a superabundant mercy. It's hard for me to accept the fact that he might love me that much. But it started to open up this possibility, like maybe that's what our Lord is trying to tell me. And then the next day during the content, like the teaching part of the retreat, they showed the movie clip from Les Miserables where Jean Valjean steals his stuff. And I was like, ugh, I guess I have to believe that. And it was as if our Lord was just saying like, hey, like don't miss this, right? Don't miss this. Don't miss what I'm doing for you right now. And it was a huge gift, and it, and it was a huge, I don't know, it's just this way that he was saying, I notice you, and I know what you need, and I'm giving you what you need. And that's really what our Lord wants to do with all of our lives, is to say, I see you, and I know what you need, and I want to give you what you need. And our part is to continue to put ourselves in a place where we can see that. And we can hear him. And that means asking him, Lord, where are you staying? And just wanting to stay with him. And to remember that we're within his gaze. And to remember that he is the Lord of history. And he's the Lord of our history. To take our eyes off of all of the crazy fear, confusion, division going on in our world, in our church, everywhere. And to ask him to start to work on the division in our own hearts, in those places in our hearts that aren't surrendered yet. Because he begins by healing our own hearts and, and bringing unity to our own hearts, and then that unity can spread to, from a heart to a marriage, to a family, to a parish. To the church and to the world. Don't miss out on what our Lord wants to do in your heart. Don't miss out on the fact that he's noticing you and that he's calling you and that we belong to him. It's the most important thing that we can do right now is to move towards him. And so today let us pray that in this new year, we rekindle the fire of love in our own hearts. That our Lord bring unity to our own hearts. That we, each individual Christian and the entire church, may be a sign of unity and peace for the whole world. And we pray for the courage to begin again with him. And the grace to always remember that we are within the Father's gaze.